This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Now, if you have your Bibles already at hand today, I want you to look with me in Psalms chapter 71. But I was thinking about this particular message when God laid the series on my heart, The Changing Seasons of Life. And this series started out dealing with the cornerstone of this of this series. And uh, it was, in fact, giving us an introduction to how often things change in our life. Things don't stay the same forever. And one of the most difficult things that we have to navigate through as believers is when things do change. And it turns our world upside down and their monumental adjustments, whether they're domestic, or whether or not with our health and just on and on and on, things that change in our life. Uh, we, we, sometimes we get stuck in the rut and we just want things to be the same. Don't, don't rock my world. Don't change, don't change the color. Don't change this. Don't change that. I just want things to be in the same, same old way. Some of you this morning have adapted to change so well during this COVID nightmare because you see the blue tape on the, on the pews and you're getting, yeah, we've never checked temperatures when you've come to church. But now we're doing that, and we're doing the six feet thing, and we're doing all of this stuff, and it's a change. And hey, guess what? It's not the same. <laughs> Don't you wish, like me, that it was back to normal? I wish that. But it's not. And what we have to do in times like this, we have to make the best of what we have. Sometimes making the best of what we have simply doesn't remind us of, of uh, things that we treasure and enjoy. This is all an adjustment to us. I remember when this stuff first started and we were closing out the Jamie Ragel thing and we, we were right into the beginning, opening night of the Randy Perry revival. We had to immediately shut that down on a Sunday night and not have the Monday night. And it was, it was just a mess. And I can remember coming back on a Wednesday night, actually a Sunday morning, starting the, the uh, virtual services by internet. And we were doing this uh, from the church, and uh, back in those days, uh, and I say those days like it happened a long time ago, but it was just back in March, and all of the cameras were set right here on a table, and all the uh, studio lights were right here, and uh, it was a very difficult thing for me to do to adjust, to preach, to just pews, and it carried me back into the early days of my ministry because what I would do as a young preacher, just starting out here. Basically, when I was when I first came to Beaufort, what I would do, because back in those days, I preached, I think, twice a month on Sunday night. And I would come down here, and I would, when nobody was here, these pews were completely empty. We didn't have a media team, and we didn't have any of these things, but I would come down here to the church house on a Saturday night, and I'd preach my sermon three times to these empty pews because I wanted to be ready on Sunday morning. I can remember those days. And when I stood here preaching to empty pews back in March, it was like for the first time in 35, 40 years that I did that. And it was a precious memory. I don't think we should forget where we came from. But change is difficult, and we don't like to make changes. The cornerstone to this series was having to look at that for face value, 
The second sermon we went into is having to deal with the periods of time in our life that entices us or the seasons of temptation. Then we dealt with the seasons of failure when we don't always succeed in life. And then we dealt with four Sundays, the season of depression. We talked about a biblical approach to that. And this morning, a brand new for me, perhaps brand new for you, the changing season of Angie. Let's see what the Word of God has to say about that subject today. And so look at Psalm 71 with me just for a few moments. And we're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture that come from the Old Testament. I, I, I cannot emphasize this enough. I love the Old Testament. It certainly is a, a compliment to the new. Very applicable even still for today. But in Psalms chapter 71, I want you to see, I want to begin reading for you in verse number 5, and I will read verses 5 through 9, and then we'll skip down to verse 17 and 18. But in Psalms 71, see if you cannot relate to some of this today. And I realize that the message this morning is going forth, and if we could categorize this, perhaps it would be to uh, people my age and over. Um, but I do, I do think it's applicable to us all. Psalm 71, verse number five. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Some of you in here today have been saved for a very long time. You met the Lord either in vacation Bible school or at a summer day camp. You met the Lord in Sunday school when you were very early in life. Somewhere along the line, many years of yesterday, you came to know him. By thee have I been holding up from the womb. And that's, that's been in my case because I, I, don't have, I don't have a thought in my head what it's like not to be in the house of God. I, I was fortunate enough to have Christian parents who, who took me to church as soon as I could possibly go. And I've been there all my life. I give God the praise for a Christian mother and father sitting here today. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. I can assure you, though I failed him, he's never failed me. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, that's in the word. Oh God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. This subject today, the changing season of aging, it's not a subject that we eagerly want to talk about, but it's a subject that we're all dealing with. And I'm glad that the Bible does deal with this thing of aging. 
it gives us some encouragement about it. And so no matter who you are, it doesn't matter how young you are today, the truth of the matter is this. Every single one of us are getting older each and every day. There are several singled out days about our life that connects all of the other dots in between. Now, I preached a message a few years ago that was entitled, The Other Side of Your Dash. Remember that message, The Other Side of Your Dash? The date you were born, then your dash, and then the date that you die. And the message was entitled, The Other Side, The Other Side of Your Dash. The significant days that stand out to us that are notable, commemorable, first of all, is the day that we were born. Obviously, that's a significant day, our birthday. And for me and Teresa, they're coming a whole lot faster. But the truth of the matter is this, as a believer, every single day that goes by, every day that goes by, we become more, and at least I do, I become more and more aware of the wonderful grace of God. How about you? Every day that goes by, it ought to remind you. There's a song that we used to sing, Brother David, a long time ago. It says, sweeter than the day before. It gets sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And so our birthday is a significant day, but that's not the only notable day that we kind of remember on the calendar of life. There's another day, and that's the day for which we discover the purpose for which we were born. Because the truth of the matter is this, all of us have a purpose, every single one of us. I love to read history, and I like to look back in history and study great people of yesterday and reminisce about the purpose in which those individuals were allowed to be born on this earth to begin with. King David, for example, was born to be one of the greatest. He became the greatest king Israel ever had. In fact, they still called the holy city, they still called Bethlehem the city of David. They still fly the star of David on the flag in Israel. Fanny Crosby, I don't know how many of you know of her, remember her. Fanny Crosby was one of the greatest inspirational songwriters of all time. Fanny Crosby was born. Her purpose was to write, compose amazing, timeless spiritual music. Wilbur and Orville Wright, they were born to begin the world of aviation. God permitted it. God allowed it. That was their purpose. And think about today from those years of yesterday. Henry Ford, his purpose was to replace the horse and buggy with the automobile. And think about where we are today with that. Thomas Edison, his purpose in life was to discover electricity. And you may be saying, you may be listening today and you're saying, well, preacher, we could go on and on with that today. And truly we could. And maybe you're saying, I wish I knew what my purpose was. I really wish I knew why God put me on this earth. Well, let me assure you of one thing, and that is this. God truly does have a purpose for us all. God has a purpose. You may say, I don't know what it is yet. Hang on. 
You might say, I want to know what God's purpose for my life is. Hang on, perhaps a better word for God's purpose or your purpose on this subject would be the word calling. I want you to think about that. And when you discover your purpose or when you discover your calling, I promise you that your life will never, ever be the same. Now, here's the thing. When God calls you to do something, and this is in the ramifications of his purpose, when God calls you to do something, we have the freedom, we have the choice to either say yes, or we have the choice, the privilege, to say no. Like Jonah, if God were to call you to do something very specific, listen, you can buy a ticket to Tarshish, you can say no, and you can run and rebel against God and ultimately end up in the consequences of that in the belly of the whale. You could say no to God and end up like the prodigal son and find yourself eating the husk of the swine. Or you could say yes, like the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah chapter six, verse number eight, that said this. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. We have the choice whenever we are made aware of God's purpose or God's calling on our life, we can say, yes, I surrender all or no, God, I don't have time for that. But I can assure you that if you answer the call, let me, in on, let, me let you in on some good advice here this morning. And that's this. If you say yes to God's purpose, if you say yes to God's calling, for your life. Don't try to sit God down and plan it out for God. If God has called you with a purpose, if God has given you a specific calling, listen carefully, we don't plan out anything for God. He plans it out for us. I found my purpose back in 1978 when God called me to preach. Now I can remember the little church house I was in on that particular Sunday when God called me to preach. Sister Pat Fleming, I think you were there in that church house on that particular Sunday when God called me to preach uh, at the Grace Temple Baptist Church. I believe you were there. I know Sister Rose was there. I know Brother Crowder was there. Several people were there when God called me to preach. There was no question about that. I remember attending the Grace Temple Baptist Church downtown in Richmond. My pastor was Harold Kaywood, and he was one of the dearest friends that I had on the face of the earth. I can remember that Sunday morning when I found my purpose for life. When God called me, I can remember that when the preacher gave the invitation, I, I could not sit in the pew any longer. I, I, I could, and you know what? That reminds me of something. Years of yesterday, when the Holy Spirit would move upon the hearts of people and they were overwhelmed with great conviction, it was sort of like, do you remember the old saying, turn loose and let God have his way? Those were the days when people just could not sit through the pew. They could not sit in the invitation. God's power and God's grace and that calling would pull them out of the pew and they would walk uncontrollably crying down to the altar and give their heart to Christ. I remember those days, and I can remember when God called me to preach back in 1978, and the pastor gave the invitation. It was an uncontrollable moment for me. I was compelled. It was almost like the Holy Spirit had hogtied me and was pulling me to his will. I said, yes, God, I'll go. Yes, God, I'll do it. I don't have a clue what this is about. I, I don't know anything about what I'm getting ready to sign up for, but yes, God, you've called me with a purpose, and I'll do it. 
My preacher back in those days gave me a lot of counsel. He counseled me from daylight to dark sometimes. And by the way, back in 1978, our pastor, he, like me at a time in my life, but he lived back down behind the church. I don't know how many have ever drove back there and you've seen the, our little parsonage, our little cabin back there in the woods. But he lived right behind the church back in the cabin. And, as and I would come up here many times and he would just teach me the word of God. And we would talk and he would counsel me and we, we had a lot of great times together. And as time went by, I knew what God's calling was. It was very clear. He wanted me to preach the word. Back in those days when God called me to preach, I was on the road singing most of the week. But I knew God was calling me to preach. And as a young preacher and beginning to start my training and all of my, my Bible knowledge, learning and all of these things, as a young preacher, I told God three things that I would not do. Let me advise you not to do that. But I told God there are three. Okay, God, I've surrendered all. I have stepped out into the ministry. I now know the purpose of my life. I know the calling of my life. But I want to get some things straight with you first. And there are three things that I'm not going to do. I want you to think about this just for a minute. I told God, I said, okay, I'll preach the word, but I don't want to preach in Richmond. I said, yes, okay, that's number one. You got that? I said, number two, I'll preach, but I don't ever want to live in that cabin down there. And I said, okay, yes, I'll preach. Get this God, take them all down. And I don't ever want to pastor a church over 300. Now are we clear, God? And I told God those specific things. And I really believed that God, when I was telling him this, you say, you really told God that I really did. And you know the other truth about that is, I meant every word of it. And I really believed that when God heard my checklist, because I believe that God does have a sense of humor, I believe God thought it was funny. <laughs> and those are the, th and listen, Everything, everything that I told God I would not do are the very things he called me to do. Because I ultimately ended up doing all three that I told him specifically I would not do. So let me tell you, learn it from somebody that's been there. Don't ever give God an ultimatum. Don't ever tell God what to do and what not to do. And now I'm celebrating 34 years right here in a place I told God I never wanted to be. So you think about this just for a moment. When you know what your calling is, when you know what your purpose is, I'm telling you, it will radically change your life. So there are some important days, your birthday, the day when you find out what your calling is. What your purpose is, another significant day is this, when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. 
that's significant, that's monumental, it's the greatest, I tell people this all the time, that it's the greatest decision you could ever make in life. There is nothing more greater in life than deciding where you're going to choose to spend eternity. You see, God doesn't send people to heaven, God doesn't send people to hell. You go to heaven because you trusted the only way. You gave your heart to Christ, you made him your savior, and I will tell you this, if you don't trust the Lord, you will die and go to hell. If you trust him as your savior, the word says, he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You have a guaranteed home in heaven. So we have a choice. We can either accept him or reject him. And the last important day, and we could go on with a few others this morning, but for this message, we're talking about the day that we die because there's absolutely nothing we can do that changes an ounce of anything after we die. The other side of our dash. But I remind you of this, that death does not end all. We're going to be somewhere forever and we're going to be living out an endless eternity. So let me ask you this question. What are you doing with your life right now? What are you doing with your days right now? What are you doing with your weeks? What are you doing with your months? What are you doing with your years? Because every one of them are racing by like lightning. And the thing that ought to grip our hearts this morning today, listen, as a congregation, those of you that are watching by internet today is this that we will never, ever be able to call back one single ounce of time that's in the days of yesterday. We've got to make the best of what we have today. I remember my young preacher son, Brian, the first joke he ever told me that I remembered. He said to me, he said, Dad, and, and by the way, Brian, I, I could not be any more proud of him. He loves God with every fiber of his heart. He's raising his family to honor God and worship God, love God with all of his heart, mind, and soul. And Brian, he would wake up on Saturday mornings and he would say, I would take him soul winning. Brian and I, we knocked on all kinds of doors around here and down Richmond and different areas. He'd wake up on Saturday morning and say, Dad, we're going to tell people about Jesus today. Just as a little, little talk. But the only joke I ever remember him telling me was this. He said, Dad... What did Noah tell his two sons when he took them fishing? I said, I don't know, son. What did he tell them? He said, we ain't got but two worms. Make the best of it, boys. Make the best of it. And my advice is this, to make best of, of every day that you have because you can't get them back. Make the best of it. One of the things that stresses me about the younger generation today as a whole, and that's this, that people today are becoming so preoccupied with entertainment and materialism and political correctness and proven points that they've got very little time left, if any at all, left for God. But what many of them fail to see is this, that much of the Lord's work greatly depends on their faithfulness because we're all getting older every single day and the Lord Jesus has told us emphatically to occupy until he comes. And I believe one of the best scriptures that I could give our young people today is found in the book of Ezra. Some of you may not even be familiar with the book of Ezra. It's in the Old Testament. It's a marvelous book. But I want you to see this passage in Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10. This helps you to maybe understand my devoted love and appreciation for the Old Testament a little better each time we reference these 
Old Testament scriptures. Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10. One of the best scriptures I could give our young people today is found right here. And that's this. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. And notice these words. And to do it. And to do it. Underline those words. And to do it. And to teach in Israel statues and judgment because you would be amazed at the difference this verse if applied could make in every household listening today find out what God's calling is for your life what God's purpose is for your life and then to do it but there's a majority of us this morning that are entering new phases of life those of you that are watching this morning, you, you know what I'm talking about. You've already entered a new phase of life. Those of you that are here today, you know what I'm talking about. You're entering a new phase of life. You're experiencing perhaps, there's some watching right now. I've been through it. Gail's been through it. We all, Several of us have been through it. You know what it's like. Some of you know what it's like to experience an empty nest. Somebody said, glory to God. That's the interpretation of that. Some of you are experiencing and have been for a while a new phase of life being retired. Some of you are experiencing a new phase of life. It, it hit me a long time ago, but it's you lose your hearing. I have two hearing aids. I couldn't, I, I was in the doctor's office the other day and we're doing the mask thing. And I, I said, ma'am, I said, honestly, I can't hear a word you're saying. I said, I have to read your lips. I'm, I got two hearing aids in there. Some of us know what it's like to lose our vision. My wife, she started losing some of her vision not too long ago. And my goodness, they had a treatment that she she had to experience and the treatment was that uh, they said she was losing her eyesight that she was going she could go blind if she didn't have these certain treatments and one of the treatments was that she had to have these injections Dr. Gretchen she had to have these injections in the center of her eyeball I'm talking about hypodermic needle injections <clears throat> I don't know, you know, if she hadn't had to do it, I don't know that she would have done it. But it was the only option for her available. I said, how was it? <laughs> she said, how do you think it was? <laughs> and she had to have multiple ones. And she still may. Some of us are going through cardiac issues and it's becoming very erratic in our lives. Some, some of us today now, we're moving into the age, we're moving now into the phase of life where our physical strength is slipping. I think about some of our widows because my wife asked me often, she said, can you reach that jar down from the cabinet? And when I reach it down, and she said, now can you open it? But I think about those who are living by themselves who are aging without that kind of assistance. 
I think about some who now have entered into the phase of life where loneliness follows them like a ball in a chain. I, I, I see that there are some of us even here today that's entering a phase of life where dependency on others is increasing. I, I, I know and I'm aware of some of us here where our mental faculties are now becoming cloudy. Some of us today now, we're moving into the phase of life where we have to use the assistance of a cane. I was, just Friday, my dad was down here doing some cleaning in the church. And we had a little conversation here and there. And I remember that I walked with him out into the parking lot. By the way, he will be 90 on 11-11, Right? Your birthday's 11, 11.30, right? It's when you're born. But here's the thing. He had his cane in his hand. But you know what? I have the privilege of still walking with my dad to the truck and having a conversation with him that he can understand. That's a moment God's given us. He's coming off of cancer treatments, 90 years old, radiation, chemotherapy. He still has to balance himself with a cane. I'll take that cane to you if you don't behave yourself. It'll hurt me more than it'll hurt you. (laughs) Some today have to deal with the assistance of oxygen. Some of us are going through the phase in life where our voice is becoming a little weaker. And then you know what I thought about some of our older people today that's entering this season of aging is this, that a lot of our senior folks did not grow up in the world who was savvy to computers and are having to learn, being forced into a world. If they didn't have family members, they're being forced into a world to use computers and internet and iPads and all of this stuff. You're having to do things today in hard times, so to speak, in old school ways. Some are after in our church right now, listening by internet, some of us are entering the phase of going to assisted living. And so here's the thing. We wake up one day and we recognize that monumental changes have taken place in our life and things are not the same. And we realize that the spring in our step will never return. And we realize that we're aging very rapidly every single day. So here's the thing. In the season of changing In life where we age, what can we do? How can we be encouraged in the word of God when this season suddenly creeps upon us and we find ourselves in these predicaments? One of the things that I want to stress to you is this, that God will never ever say to you, no matter how old you get, no matter how feeble you get, God will never ever say to you, thank you for your service, get out of the way, move over and let somebody else move in. God will never do that. 
God will never ever say to any of us, step aside and get out of the way. I want to give you some reassurance this morning. If you're going through this season of aging, the change in life, number one, and I hope that you write some of these things down, and I want to be very quickly with this. Number one, remember this, God needs you more in this season. God needs you in this season that you're going through right now just as much as he's ever needed you. He's just giving some of us some new job assignments. Don't ever let the devil make you think that God is through with you. In fact, I want you to see something in Joshua chapter 14, verse number 5. And I want to read through verse number 13 quickly with you. Joshua, I want you to turn there. Old Testament, turn with me. Joshua chapter 14. And notice beginning in verse 5, as the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephthunah, and Kesnite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me in, and thee in Kadesh Barnea. And by the way, Kadesh Barnea means the, the door of the promised land. It was the beginning, the door, the passageway of the promised land. In verse 7, 40 years old, look at this, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, they went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be in thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. And as he said these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now look at this, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Notice this, at eighty five years old. Notice this. He said in verse 11, as yet as strong this day, yet I'm as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain Look at this. Caleb now is speaking with great authority and great confidence at 85 years old. He's not saying, give me a back seat. Somebody slack off. Don't expect too much of me. 85 years old. He said, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakimans were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so, be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Judah, Hebron, and for an inheritance. So look at that. Caleb, 85 years old, give me this mountain. And some of us now, as we're entering this season of aging, and some of us predominantly call it the golden years, here's what I want you to understand. King Solomon gave some great consolation about this. And Ecclesiastes, turn there with me quickly. They'll get it on the screen. Our time is moving fastly. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 1 through 7. Fellas, get that up there for me. Look at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 1 through 7. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. 
While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all of the daughters of the music shall be brought low and also when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fear shall be in the way and the almond tree shall flourish and the grasshopper shall be a burden and a desire shall fail because man goeth to his long home and the mourners go about the streets or ever the silver cord be loose or the golden bowl be broken or the pitcher be broken at the fountain or the wheel be broken at the then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it I want you to keep this in mind that the human body is not made to live forever absolutely not and some of us as we near this changing season of life I want you to understand something I want you to write these things down I'm going to move very quickly here and number two how, what can I do in this changing season? As it creeps upon me fastly, what can I do? Listen, I thank God for our senior people. There's a place in God's family for you. God is not going to ever be through with you. Don't quit on him. He will never quit on you. So let me encourage you to do something. Number two, quickly. Let me encourage you to maintain a positive attitude. You got to work at that, but be good at it and be disciplined with it. Develop a positive attitude. You can, you can do that. You can do all things through Christ. So learn to encourage and maintain a positive attitude. Number three, keep a humorous perspective on aging. <laughs> My goodness, I got to do that all the time. Wow. Keep a humorous perspective on aging. Number four, share your life experiences with others. Because here's the thing, you are enriched with wisdom. In fact, there's an Old Testament passage. I've been referring a lot to the Old Testament this morning. In Isaiah chapter 46, verse number three through four, the Bible says, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he. And even to the whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and deliver you. And number five, and lastly, let me say this. Never consider the season of aging as the season of ending, but rather the season of beginning because actually that's where you are. You're, at, you're closer to the age of beginning. You compare 100 years to eternity. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man. Look at this, the things 
which God hath prepared for them that love him. The God who made us to live in this world. The God who made us with a calling. The God who made us with a purpose. Has gloriously prepared an endless eternity for everyone that's called upon the name of Jesus. And so in the season of aging, don't get discouraged. Don't get despondent. Don't quit. Don't have a pity party. Don't say, woe is me. Listen carefully. We are just as profitable to God in our old age as we have ever been. And in some cases in more ways. Because God, what he wants us to do in the season of aging, he doesn't want us to take what we have learned and what we have discovered, what we have experienced, and keep it shut up in the four walls of our mind. Listen, that would be just as vain as for us having the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and to keep all of the gospel stored up in this dome circle and never get it outside of the doors. Listen, if we keep the seed stored up in the barn, people will die and drop into hell every which way we turn. We cannot keep the seed of the gospel in the barn. You cannot keep the experiences of life shut up in your heart and in your mind. God would have you and encourage you to pass it on and help others. So let me encourage you to take some time and invest it in becoming a living, a verbal testimony to the generation coming behind us. Oh, I pray to God that we would have more mentors. That we would pull this younger generation close to us and say, let me share a few of life experiences with you. Let me share you, with you what I've learned on the journey. Learn how to daily praise God with a spirit of gratitude. I want our musicians to come forward. We're talking about the changing seasons of life. Remember this, God will never quit on you. Don't ever quit on him. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.